We start in the name of Allah, the Most High, the one to whom belongs all praise, the one who controls all affairs, the one who gives, the one who takes, glorified and exalted is He. And we send peace and blessings upon the Prophet Muhammad and his family and his followers until the end of time. Just a few weeks ago, and even up to a few months ago in some places, we found ourselves making the du'as together, Allahumma balighna Ramadan. Oh Allah, allow us to reach the month of Ramadan. Help us to reach the month of Ramadan. And as we know from those of us who are here, we made it to this month, and that's a great blessing and a great gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, glorified and exalted is He. And we also know that from amongst us are those who did not make it to the month of Ramadan. Maybe they might be family, maybe they might be friends, they might be people that we came across in the community, they could be any number of people. But probably the most prominent person for American Muslims in our mind right now who didn't make it to the month of Ramadan this year was Muhammad Ali, rahimahullahu ta'ala. Muhammad Ali, he died last Friday at the age of 74. And how can we even begin to talk about him? He didn't quite make it. You know. And with the passing of Muhammad Ali, passes the most beloved American actually, 
if we were to really think about it, probably the most beloved American in the entire world was Muhammad Ali, who happened to be named Muhammad. And in the time that we're living in, that's not something that goes without notice. That he did have this international renown, and he did have this domestic also renown. And for so many of us, he was the greatest, in the human sense, after the prophets, after so on and so forth. He was the greatest boxer of all time, he was a great figure of, of our era. Many of us grew up with Ali, many of us saw him in different places around the world. And he was the greatest for many of us, not only because of his accomplishments in the ring. And the ruling on boxing is a separate issue, you can deal with it at a different time. But not only because of what he did in the ring, but also because of what he did outside of the ring. And he was the greatest not because only the, the words that he spoke and the way, the gift that he had with words, but he was also the greatest because of the actions that followed upon those words. He was someone who lived the things that he claimed. And he was someone who stood next to his name and was not shy about his name. Especially after he went and he made the decision to change it. And that decision came with a lot of backlash, which we'll come to a little bit later. But amongst that was that in the time leading up to when he publicly announced the change of his name after the fight with Sonny Liston where he won the championship, was when Malcolm X started to come to his camp. And they actually threatened him with canceling the fight because Malcolm X was coming to his camp. This is how serious the situation was, you know, for it to be real about the history. They threatened him with canceling it and he told them, I'm not driving this man out of my camp. But Malcolm X, he got the idea and he decided to step away until after the fight. And he had this fight and he changed his name and he affirmed his right to have his name. Which may seem like something very simple, but it's actually something very profound and it should be very profound for many of us in the room here today. Those of us who go to workplaces and people decide, oh, we'll just call you this. Or, oh, why don't we just say this? Or why don't we shorten it to that? Or can I just call you so-and-so? No, you can't just call me so-and-so. You can call me my name. Because my name is the name that was given to me by my family, and my name represents a history and a heritage and a tradition and many, many things. When my name is Khalid, for example, it's not just that my name is Khalid and you can just change it to whatever you, Kevin or whatever you want. Or it's not just that my name is Abdurrahman and it doesn't have a history of Abdurrahman's behind it. But my name has value. And Muhammad Ali, when he decided to change his name, he faced a lot of backlash from that. Because what happens is people who are in positions of dominance and they're trying to control others, they like to catch them off guard. They like to ridicule them. They like to put them in a corner. But we know that Muhammad Ali was never put in a corner. That's not the way that he had conversations. So he was interviewed one time, for example, right after he changed his name, the guy called him Cassius Clay. He told him, you're still calling me Cassius Clay? That's not my name, that's the name you gave me. My name is Muhammad Ali. He said, what does it mean? He's trying to catch him, right? So, so what does it mean? He said, Muhammad means the one who's most praised and Ali means the most high. That's what it means. That's why the name means something to me. He said, I have the right to have a name that I choose for myself. This is big. No one in the English language had success spreading the name Muhammad the way that Muhammad Ali did. It became a household name in America. You think that's not important? 
I'm sure it's important to the young child who goes to school and he gets picked on or he gets some feels a little bit of anxiety or she and then or they have a name that's known. You know, for the name to be known is a big deal. And so he stood by this name. And my story with Muhammad Ali goes way back before my Islam. It goes back even though usually with my Islam, I attribute it to Malcolm X. But actually Muhammad Ali, in retrospect, thinking about it, precedes Malcolm X. And they were both great men and they were both great cultural icons. And this is a very important point that Dr. Sherman Jackson, may Allah preserve him, was making in the janazah yesterday one of the great public intellectuals of Islam in America, one of our great scholars, Dr. Sherman Abdul Hakim Jackson, he said in one of the articles he wrote about the death of Muhammad Ali, he said, culture is the frequency on which doctrine and ideology travel. Which is to say that he was a cultural icon and he as a cultural icon was able to do things that people of knowledge are not able to do. He had more weight than the shaykh. He had more weight than the imam. He may not have quoted all of these scripture and different things in his, in his speeches, in his conversations, in his lectures, but just the mentioning of his name to anyone who knew his life, it would straighten the back. Because the example is there. And the cultural icon was so strong. He and Malcolm both were and continue to be extremely strong and powerful cultural icons. And those cultural icons weave their ways into our lives probably earlier than even religious experiences. And the cultural icons are extremely important because what they do is they give us some space and they narrow the gap between Islam and the other. One of the things that I think people in our community oftentimes don't realize is that for the average American, there's a space between them and Islam. They don't think that Islam is for them. They associate Islam as being something foreign. They associate Islam as being something different, as something that's not accessible, as something that they have to leave their cultural and heritage and everything else in order to accept. But what cultural icons do, is they narrow that gap. So Dr. Omar Farooq Abdullah, for example, another great scholar of Islam in America, he talks about how when he converted to Islam in 1970, it was after reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. And he said he read the entire autobiography in one night, he couldn't put it down. And after he finished it, he closed the book and he said, what did I get from this book? Now he was already a master's student at Cornell at this time. He said, I got from this book that Allah and God are the same thing. And he said, I knew that Allah and God were the same thing. But it took the autobiography to narrow that gap. For me, growing up, there are many things that narrowed the gap. First thing that narrowed the gap that I usually think about was hip-hop. In my era, hip-hop had a lot of Islam references. And Malcolm X narrowed the gap. But before both Malcolm X and hip-hop narrowed the gap, it was Muhammad Ali that narrowed the gap. As a young teenager watching videos, following his life, seeing the things that he said, you know, being inspired by the way that he lived. And he inspired us because he spoke to that which was pre-rational. He speaks to our honor, to our pride, to our dignity, to our hope, to our identity, to our courage and our fears, to our basic understanding of what's right and wrong. He spoke to those things at a very elementary level that everyone can understand and hits them right away. There's no big words involved, there's no, there's no complications, there's no theories, it's very simple. Like he was asked, very simple, straightforward, they told him, after you finish boxing, what are you going to do? At first he joked, immediate way to the heart. He's pretending like he fell asleep. 
He said, I'm going to sleep. He said, seriously, what am I going to do after I'm done with boxing? I'm going to prepare to meet my Lord. This is a heavy answer. On, on big interview, he said, I'm going to prepare to meet my Lord. Big audience around. He said, this is what I'm going to do. Because we're not here that long. And he said, God doesn't care if I beat Joe Frazier. God doesn't care if I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. God doesn't care about any of these things. God cares about what I do with my life while I'm alive. And this is a major televised thing. You can find it online right now. So he spoke directly to us. As a young man, I respected him for his skill. I respected him for his wit and for his boldness. Those are the things that as a young man, you appreciate. You appreciate his skill in the ring. And I used to really appreciate his wit. Because you see, he gets in these different conversations, he responds to them in ways that like, you know, normally, when you're, uh, it's very important. Because if you get challenged with something, if you can answer in a witty way, then you defeat it in multiple angles. So there's many things that happen. He says, for example, after he won the gold medal in the Olympics, he was telling this in an interview, he said, I won the gold medal in the Olympics, I was given the gold medal, I was taken as this hero, I was representing America, everything was great. He said, I went home to my hometown, I sat in the diner and I went to go order some food, and the waitress came to me and she said, obviously I'm going to change your word here. He said, she came to me and she said, we don't serve black folks here. He said, that's good because I don't eat them either. This is answer, very quick, very quick answer. Right. One interview, the guy is talking to him, he says, you're in a very truculent mood today. You know, he's again, trying to exert some authority over him. He said, whatever that means, if it's good, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's an easy answer. And another one, he said, he's in the interview with the guy, the guy is talking to him, he says, you know, Muhammad, he tells him, you're not a stupid boy. Imagine this, like an adult being told by another adult, you're not a stupid boy. Before the guy could continue, he cut him off, he said, thank you, Howard, and you're not as dumb as you look. You know, immediately, right immediately, right? So the wit was very strong, and his skill in the ring was very strong. You know, when he went to fight Sonny Liston at 22 years old and won the heavyweight championship of the world, he had seven to one odds. That's very bad. Everyone was saying he's going to lose. And he was saying, I predict that some of you are going to die from stroke on the ring, next to the ring on that night after I win the fight. And he won the fight, and he pointed to all of them. He said, I shocked you, and I shocked you, and I shocked you. And he said, I'm the greatest, right? This was skill that he had in the ring. This is what I respected as a young man. As I grew older, I began to respect other things. As I grew older, I began to respect his dignity, his courage, his principle. When he took his stand that he was not going to go to Vietnam and fight in the war in Vietnam, this was a heavy stance. You know, people, we look at his life now and we think that it was all like everyone was happy at the time. When he took the stance to not go to the Vietnam War, that was a big stance. And he knew what the consequences of that stance were. He wasn't fleeing the country, he wasn't leaving, he wasn't going, he said, if you want to put me in jail, put me in jail. But I'm not going to that war. I'm not going to kill people for an unjust war. That's not allowed in my religion. That's a big stance. That's a stance I used up to today. People ask, can we join the armed forces and all these kind of things. If you're ready to take the stance that Ali took, then you can do whatever you want. But if it's an unjust war, you can't go to it. Doesn't matter who's fighting. So he took that stance, it was a very strong stance. And he lost, as a result of that stance, millions and millions of dollars. It was on the brink of poverty. And, and the world lost the opportunity to see him at the peak of his career. We, no one ever actually saw him at the peak of his career. He wasn't allowed to box in that time. And then eventually he won the case.
That's a very big act of dignity and courage and integrity. Another one that really was a big image in my life growing up, one of the memories of my childhood, was the memory in the 1996 Olympics when he was the one who lit the flame. Some of you might remember that. Because it wasn't announced who was going to do it. You knew it was going to be something special, but then all of a sudden Muhammad Ali comes shuffling out. And he grabs the, the flame and he goes and he lights it. That takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength. Right? And these are the things you respect as you get older. And one of the things that Ali forced us to do is that he forced us to look at ourselves and think about what is it that we lean to? What is it that we lean to? What are we about? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, وَلَا تَرْكَنُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا فَتَمَسَّكُمُ النَّارُ وَمَا لَكُم مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ أَوْلِيَاءِ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ He said, don't lean up to those who oppress. Because if you do, your punishment will be the hellfire and you won't have anyone to aid you other than Allah. And you will not be given victory if, you, if that's where you lean to. And Ali was someone who leaned to what was right regardless of the consequences. Money, fame, popularity, he lost a lot when he took the stances that he took, but he took those stances. And we ourselves have to be reminded of this. Because let's be real, if there was a very popular athlete today, at the level that he was in his time, who decided to accept the religion of Islam, and speak against foreign invasions and drone attacks and all of these kind of things. And then to speak against the internal things that are happening in this country from the prison industrial complex to many others. And was to come out and say all of this, you think everyone would be shaking his hand and smiling? They weren't. That's afterwards. But at the time, there's a lot of difficulty, there's a lot of hardship. But the strong stance, the stance that's pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a stance that remains. 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, people are still saying, they're saying, well, we respected him for the position that he took. Even though people differed, even though people criticized, they respected him for the position that he took. And this is what we want to seek also in our own lives, in our own experiences, in the way that we deal with our communities. And we want to remind ourselves that what we have to always lean up against and where we have to always put our allegiance and our, and our reliance is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, Ali came out and took this stance. Many of us are praising him and, and we love him and his life was so great and so on and so forth. But we don't have any friendships with people of color. Maybe we've never actually spent time with an African American in our lives. Maybe we have no respect for them. Maybe if they came to our families, we wouldn't even consider them to marry our children. This is a big problem. And then we go out and we, we, we praise Ali. We should take it also as an opportunity to do some introspection. Think about where are we on the stances that he took, which were very hard stances, but stances that needed to be taken in order to bring people to a deeper understanding of what's true and what's right and what's good versus what is evil. And the most important thing that we see about him in his life is that Ali was a Muslim. He was a Muslim from the time that he accepted the nation of Islam, thinking that it was true Islam, and from the time that he went into Sunni orthodoxy, he's been a Muslim, and up to the time that he died, he was a Muslim. And there's no doubt about that. And so in his life, we have a great example of putting to rest the question of how does one be American, how can one be American and Muslim at the same time? The question is done with him. He answered it. He did it. It's over. There's no more issue. Here. And so we have to look in the second half of the khutbah, inshallah, at some of the lessons in his life that relate to Islam. 
And then we'll close by making dua for him and all of us, inshallah. I remind myself and others to have God consciousness in all affairs, inshallah. Muhammad Ali loved Islam. He really loved Islam. One of the things that people noticed him doing later in his life was that people would mail him or they would ask him for autographs and what he would do is he would sit down and he would autograph pamphlets that are introduction to Islam. <laughs> Think about this. Think about the, the, the brilliance of this man, right? He would sit and write his autograph on a pamphlet that's an introduction to Islam. They asked him, why are you doing that? He said, because then they'll never throw it away. And like if I put my, if they want my signature, then I'm going to give them my signature on this. So now you can keep this with you always. Maybe you read it today, maybe you read it 10 years from now, but you're going to keep it. You're not going to throw it away because the signature's on it, right? When we die and we go into our graves, we're all asked three questions, right? We're asked the questions of who is your Lord and what was your way? And what do you say about Muhammad And before we answer those questions in the grave, we answer those questions in our lives every single day. That's why one of the sunnahs of the Prophet is to make a particular dua every day. It answers the three questions. I'm pleased with Allah as my Lord, and Islam as my way, and Muhammad as a messenger and prophet. Answers the three questions. Who is your Lord? What is your way? Who is your prophet? Every single day that we live, we answer these questions. And when we die, we'll really answer these questions. And when Muhammad Ali, he's died now. And he has to answer these questions. And we hope and we pray that Allah gives him strength and makes him steadfast. And that he will answer these questions in the way that he answered them while he was alive. And I'll give you those examples. And this is taken from Ustad Hisham Mahmud, Hafidhullah, may Allah preserve him, just to give credit where credit is due. The first question of these, when he was faced with it in his life, the question of who is your Lord? He answered this in an interview in 1981. He was in an interview and someone asked him, do you have bodyguards? And he paused for a second and he said the following. He said, I have one bodyguard. He has no eyes though he sees. He has no ears though he hears. He remembers everything without the aid of mind or memory. When he wishes to create a thing, he just orders it to be and it comes into existence. But this order is not conveyed in words which, have, which take the tongue to formulate them or which sound carries to the ears. He hears the secrets of those under quiet thoughts. Who's that? That's God, Allah. He's my bodyguard. He's your bodyguard. He's the supreme, the wise. Allahu So this is the answer to the first one. Who is your Lord? The second question, he was also posed this question in his life. And answered this question in his life. What is your religion? Many times. He said, my religion is the religion of Islam. 
I'm not giving up the religion of Islam, so on. After 9-11, he said the following, I think all people should know the truth and come to recognize the truth because Islam is peace. And against killing and murder and the terrorists and the people doing it in the name of Islam are wrong. And if I had a chance, I'd do something about it. So this is number two. And number three is, and what do you say about Muhammad? And here is a fact that many people didn't know about Muhammad Ali. In 2002, he was offered to be, have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know, it's so big deal to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know what his response was? His response was, I bear the name of our beloved Prophet Muhammad wasallam, And it is impossible that I allow people to trample, trample over his name. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. So he's the only star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that's not on the floor. It's on the wall. So that people don't walk over the name Muhammad So where do we go from here when giants like this fall? Where do we turn? We turn the same place that he mentioned. We turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we trust in Him, and we, we rely on Him, and we prepare ourselves to meet our Lord, just as those who have come before us have prepared to meet their Lord. Imam Zayd Shakir, Hafidhullah, the Bay Area you know, native, he was the one who presided over the janazah of Muhammad Ali yesterday. And at the end of the janazah, he said something at the very end. He said, the times that we live in are not times where we wait for a giant like Muhammad Ali to show up again. And I'm paraphrasing this, but he said these are times when every single one of us digs deep into ourselves and does what we need to do in our relationship with Allah and we turn towards Allah and we prepare ourselves to meet our Creator and we try to follow in a little bit of the greatness of those who came before us. And if we do so seeking Allah and relying on Allah, then Allah will give us tawfiq inshaAllah and make things easy and grant us victory from ways that we cannot even imagine. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy on our beloved brother Muhammad Ali. O oh Allah, elevate him and raise him and give him the highest gardens of paradise. O oh Allah, forgive him of all of his sins and his shortcomings and accept from him his deeds, those that are known and those that are unknown. O oh Allah, elevate his, elevate his rank in this life and the next. O oh Allah, give him the gardens of paradise and the company of the martyrs and the prophets and the righteous and the truthful. O oh Allah, give strength to his family and make them steadfast and fill their hearts with iman and guidance and make us support for them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Allah, O oh Allah, forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings except from us our deeds. Help us to worship you in this month of Ramadan and come close to you and to seek you in all of our affairs. O oh Allah, give food to those who are hungry, give shelter to those who are shelterless, give victory to those who are oppressed. اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا اللهم بارك فينا وبيننا وألف بين قلوبنا وصفوفنا اللهم كن معنا ولا تكن علينا انصر إخوانا المستضعفين في كل مكان افتح عليهم يا فتح يا عليم اللهم علمنا ما أنفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزلنا علما وعملا صالحا اللهم تقبل منا وعف عنا وعاتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا وأقيم الصلاة